How's it going? Oh, you know we doing the do-do-do. Not not the... What, can we cut that out? <laughs> oh, it's going great, Mark. <laughs> I love when you give me such an easy edit point for uh, before the uh, intro music. It makes my life so much easier. <laughs> oh, dang it. Aaron and I have been trying to figure out what to do for our holiday meals. Yes. This has been the most recent topic of conversation. A couple weeks ago, or maybe it was only a week ago, we decided tentatively, mm-hmm. as it turns out, that we wanted to have Fogo de Chao takeout for Christmas Day dinner. Because mm-hmm. we did we did a whole, you know, we we already explained how we made our whole Thanksgiving thing, and that was very good, but it was a lot of work. And we don't necessarily want to do that much work on Christmas Day when we're going to be like Zooming with family members and all this sort of stuff. And we just kind of want to chill out and not have to have mm-hmm. responsibility. So okay. uh, we initially put in that order. However, the order, so they claim, must be picked up by 10 a.m. on Christmas Day for mm-hmm. for those meals. And so that means we would have to like get it let it sit around, and then figure out how to reheat this nice fancy meat and the various sides that it comes with. Yikes. And, like, I was mentally prepared for that of, like, you can reheat steak, like, put it on real low in the oven for a little bit, and then just, like, you could quickly sear it in the pan just to make it feel like it's fresh, right? Mm -hmm. We'd figure it out. Uh, But then, as we are kind of considering, okay, what do we want to do for Christmas Eve stuff? We couldn't really decide what we wanted to do. I have a tradition in my family where Christmas Eve is like when we see extended family. And we always go to the same person's house and they always make lasagna. And I love it. Ooh. Aaron does not like lasagna. Or at least not standard lasagna because she's not a big fan of tomato sauces. I get that. So that wasn't really a good option. And Aaron's family doesn't do the extended family thing on Christmas Eve, but they always do a like oil fondue type situation oh which i will admit that i'm not allowed to say yes (laughs) yeah it sounds good i've never had it but it sounds good i'm sure i'd like it but we're also not really set up for that either yeah unless we wanted to like basically set up a deep fryer in terms of just Mm. pouring a bunch of oil in a pan or a pot but that doesn't sound like fun that sounds like a yikes yeah so we're trying to figure this all out and uh, I proposed that instead, because Christmas Day might be a little stressful needing to, like, pick up this food in the morning and then worrying about reheating it, why don't we just do that big fancy meal for Christmas Eve? Because Christmas Eve is less likely to be a big deal externally for us. Okay. Because, you know, we'll probably we'll probably Zoom with people or whatever, but it won't be like, we're not, like, opening up a whole bunch of presents or anything. So... Uh, that's what we ended up doing. I was able to call them and switch it to pick it up at like 4 p.m. or something on Christmas Eve. So then for Christmas Day, we could be free to do something done here, but we can decide how much effort we want to put into it and make it be something that we actually really want, right? Mm-hmm. So we ended up going to a local French shop, Le Fromagerie. Oh, my God. And picked out some stuff for charcuterie. Not Ooh, too much not too much there because it's you know, it's kind of expensive and fancy and stuff, but we got two kinds of cheese. We got a 
a little bit of blue cheese, I think, for Aaron. I'm not a big fan of blue cheese, but we got a wedge of that. And some pre-cut truffle gouda for me. Mm. And we got some duck salami, which Mm. will be interesting. And some regular sausage. Mm-hmm. And then I think we're also going to, because now once, you know, I as I was I was talking to Mikhail earlier, I, I gave Aaron, you know, an inch of a charcuterie and she's taking a mile. Hey. Uh, so uh, Aaron decided to start shopping online, filling up a, a virtual shopping cart of many, many other charcuterie-based things, which I eventually had to, uh, you know lower expectations a little bit because I didn't want to spend more on the charcuterie than we were spending on getting food from Fogo, which is what it was shaping out to be. (laughs) But like, okay. For purely practical monetary reasons, Grant, not because I wouldn't necessarily like it, but because there's only two of us and it's really expensive. (laughs) Yeah. So we're getting a couple more things. We're getting another kind, at least one other kind of cheese. I think a cheddar yes. cheese and probably some prosciutto. And Aaron's going to make a baked debris thing. Yes. That whole dealio. And we're going to get like a baguette to have with it. Because apparently that's a thing. I don't know. Uh, and some crackers and everything. And then Aaron wanted cashews. So we're getting cashews and some raspberries. So we have some fruit on this charcuterie board. And, and Oh my gosh. You guys are getting so bougie with this. Well, this, this is the thing. The first question that Erin asked me when we got back, I think this question was asked before she started shopping for more food, was, <laughs> should we get a bigger wooden board for charcuterie? And That's I said, and I said, no, because we're trying to not buy things off Amazon for, you know, a while. Because we went a little crazy over the past month buying little things here and there to uh, festive up our spirits, you know? Yeah. So I said no, but the charcuterie board that we have, I would say is probably like, I don't know, maybe a foot by like nine inches. Uh, So it's not very big. There's not a whole lot of space for a lot of different varieties of things. Well, it depends how you set up your charcuterie board. Oh, I know. You want to make it all like fancy and separate. Yeah, there's not a lot of room. But if you want to do just like pile of delicious things, like that's plenty of room. Uh, Fair enough. Well, in either case, we uh we, we found a good compromised middle with the baked brie and a couple of other extra things in addition to the fancier types of things we got from the the French shop down the street. Okay. So, so that was you good. didn't get a bigger charcuterie board? No. Charcuterie? I don't even know how to say it. No. Aww. We did not. But it'll be okay. Yeah, so we did that, and then we also decided we are going to make steak and stuff for Christmas Day dinner. Hey. The same the same basic way that I did for Thanksgiving, but instead of making two steaks, which was twice as much food as we needed and twice as much effort or twice as much time at least to like, we only have room to cook one steak at a time because yeah. they were really big. So we're just making the one steak, but we're making the Parmesan sirloin recipe that I made for Valentine's Day for us a couple years ago at this point which is a ripoff of an Applebee's recipe that we both really like. <laughs> yeah. But it's just a, it's a heavy cream and Parmesan cheese sauce. <laughs> Ooh. And then when at least the last time I made it, I don't remember where we landed on this, but you also have shrimp with it. So you sear some shrimp and then throw that on top of the steak and then add the cheese sauce. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's good. So we're having that and I think, 
some fancy carrot things that we have in our freezer and some mashed potatoes or not mashed potatoes uh, uh like fried diced potatoes mm-hmm. so yeah we're uh we'll we'll eat well which is actually it sounds particularly good right now because this whole weekend was spent dealing with cookies mm. so like we had kind of real meals this weekend but what really sticks in my head is the num is the amount of just straight carbs, particularly in cookies, that I had, to the neglect of every other uh, food group. Mm-hmm. So overloading on protein sounds really good. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, God dang it! I was trying not to eat a snack after we finished this. <laughs> Let's talk about some unappetizing things before the end, so I don't feel hungry anymore. Sounds good. I'll write that down in the show notes if you remember. Excellent. I'll put it next to your comics into your second comic. Perfect. Oh, gosh. I'm really there. hungry. Oh. I'm sorry. What'd you have for dinner? Let's skip over that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'll i share. I'll share. Okay. Uh, I actually had a meal that I very much personally enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an apple and some banana chips and some cold pizza and some magic broccoli. Okay, what's magic broccoli? <laughs> it's a recipe for broccoli called magic broccoli. If I were to search this, would you think I would find the correct thing? Uh, actually, you... Let me look. I mean, I, I don't really it. care. I still want you to explain it, because I'm sure you do a better job than whatever I'd come up by searching, but... Oh my god, no, it does come up. Okay, well, just tell me anyway. I'm not searching it. Um. So it's broccoli that is like you chop up broccoli florets throw them in a pan with like sauteing garlic and you just like start getting it till the broccoli is kind of like burning a little bit like yeah you you caramelize it a little bit you get a fancy word for burn it just slightly Mm -hmm. and then you just like douse it in some lemon juice and you can put a bit of parmesan on it if you want i i skip that because i don't keep that on hand as a staple but is good. It's like it's my little take on magic broccoli. I think I go off recipe a tiny bit. I don't remember exactly where though. So it's lemon garlic broccoli. Yeah, like you're supposed okay. to bake it, but like that's if you're making a lot. Yeah, like who, if you're just who, making a who needs to do that? If you're just making a portion or two, like for yourself, you can just like do it in the pan, and it's like, mm, mm-hmm. mm, yeah, broccoli me daddy. Nice. So, yeah. I mean that's a perfectly that's a perfectly respectable meal in my mind for an arbitrary Sunday night. We just kind of chilling out. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Now was this cold pizza pizza that you like made earlier today and then refrigerated in preparation for dinner? Is this like your version of food prep? Uh, no, it was pizza I made last <laughs> night and had a sli- a single slice of, and then okay. it refrigerated the rest. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of pizza? Uh, home run in meat lovers pizza. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah, some good stuff. Real garlicky, flaky crust. Meal. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's that's all I got for you, Mark. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I'm I'm just killing the game that's too totally much solid. today to <laughs> to worry about these sorts of things like sustenance too much no i really needed to meal prep i had like big plans to like have a meal prep sunday and then i just decided not to because mm. i didn't really want to and i wanted to do other things and i hadn't gone grocery shopping so i didn't have anything to meal prep with that's fair other than like dried oatmeal and pe- 
peanut butter <laughs> and eggs. And I didn't know what I could make with just those three ingredients that would actually be Overnight good. Overnight oats. Like, with eggs? I don't know. Not not specifically the eggs. And what? Like what? Oats and water? And well, peanut butter. I don't know. Mikhail was telling me when I was talking to him how he was using the act of measuring out peanut butter to make his overnight oats. So I don't know. Yeah. That's why that popped into my head. You I've actually gotten, I've gotten back into overnight oats. Yeah. He got me into it for a little bit and then I stopped because it was just like too much work. And then like very recently I had, okay, it's not an epiphany because it's just like a <laughs> stupid thing that I didn't think of earlier of like, oh wait, it's just as much work really to make one batch of this as it is to make like five batches of this mm-hmm. and then just divide it amongst five different containers and so I started doing that and that works way better because it was just like it was getting to be too much to like make that every evening mm-hmm. but if you do it on like Sunday night and then now you got breakfast all week and it's like oh why didn't I think of this before I feel like a numpty now it's nice when things scale like that yeah I had a well no I've had this kind of apple before but I hadn't seen it for a while I walked to uh, the store on Saturday morning and got a sugar bee apple. Ooh, what do you think of sugar bee apples? I thought it was quite good. Part of it, I mm. will admit that I am biased by them having a real strong sticker game in that they are the only apple that I can recall that has a sticker that stands out. Hmm. Um, I'll have to look a bit sure. closer um, next time I shop somewhere with like, them. Like it's a honeycomb pattern. Like it's not just an oval like every oh. other apple sticker. So that's just kind of fun. I mean, for the price, if so it's basically that versus a Honeycrisp in terms of the price range that it's in, right? Yeah. Um, but I would it's say a designer could, apple, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I think I could give or take it. Like, I, I think I'd be pretty hard-pressed to pick between that and a Honeycrisp if I were committing to that price point or if they were just put in front of me. I, but I also haven't done, like, a, a side-by-side taste test. Maybe I'll have to do that next time. Get one Honeycrisp and one Sugar Bee and just see what I think. But I thought they were good. Maybe the texture. Like, I mean, it's also hard to tell. Like, I've had more Honeycrisps, so I know the heights that they can attain. Mm. This is probably only the second time maybe that I've gotten a Sugar Bee. So, uh, like, it was good, but I don't know if, like, the texture that I had this weekend was the pinnacle or not. Mm-hmm. because it wasn't quite as crisp and crunchy as, like, the best honey crisp I've had. But the flavor was certainly there. Mm-hmm. So definitely a very good, just, like, you want, like, a, an apple that's fit for a meal, like, have one of these apples, <laughs> you know, because, like, they're big. You know, there are snack apples. There are apples that need to be given, to some, given with something else. There are apples that uh, should be thrown in the trash. Yes. Uh, but we all we already know what those are. Yes, I'm glad you brought up that category, though. It makes me feel better. Yep. But then there are apples like a big honey crisp, or in this case, these big sugar bees, that aren't necessarily a meal on their own, but like one of those plus one other thing, it's like you feel like you've had a good amount of food. Yeah. It's so. a great like date night snack to share, like an ice cream cone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Perfect. That was said sarcastically. Please never share an ice cream cone on a date. It's like, well, with the apple thing, though, you can kind of each just kind of like cock your head the opposite way and just kind of like, you can get it. Honey crisp get big enough that you could totally do that. 
You wouldn't that's even so meet, weird. your mouth wouldn't even meet in the middle on the first bite. That's so weird. I don't know why <laughs> that makes me think of imagine like two horses eating the same apple at once and it just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's more uncomfortable with horses. They have way bigger lips than people. I know. That's why it's uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, alrighty. Well, shall we uh, press on to maybe more interesting conversation? <laughs> sure, we can do. I was enthralled in this conversation, but we can move on if that's what you want. It only goes it up like from it here, Grant. It only oh, gets it better as the episode continues. Oh, here we. Wow, setting big expectations. We got long story short, so hopefully we, 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 yeah, we're, hopefully we're doing good. Sorry, I'm going to stop intentionally trying to make this bad. Uh, long story short by Daniel Beyer. So we have a, a sea, a sea of cubicles in your standard beige colored sadness sucking off or sadness filled office. And you see a human-sized rat darting around a corner and into one of the cubicles. The only other man at a cubicle in the office looks up from his computer and says, Hello? Is someone there? <laughs> Did I miss something important? Or well, I think you're good. I, I mean, I'm not sure there. if you explained that it's not just an office. It's really a cubicle farm. Cubicle? Okay. Just just for people to picture it, like there are cubicles and dividers and all that sort of stuff, right? Didn't I say cubicle-filled office? Oh, did you? I don't know. If you did, then I'll cut this out. Well, I guess you really <laughs> listen to what I say, Mark. Thanks a lot. That makes me feel like I'm making important contributions to this podcast. Well, I'll give you your due right now. I <laughs> want to know. Uh-huh. I'm I'm not going to put many limits on this. What oh, would you request to improve your current working environment physically? So you don't need to talk about people, but <laughs> mm-hmm. the physical space in which you work, what would you like to see improved? Mm, more RGB. Actually, no, that's a lie. <laughs> Definitely not. That would make it real hard to do my job. Um <laughs> Sorry, that was the first thing that popped into my head. Just, you know, where it came from, I'm sure. Um, But the best thing, I think more practical storage. I don't know if I want to talk about that. Um, That doesn't sound very fun. A thing physically. Uh, Oh, less noise. Hmm. Less ambient noise. That would be nice. So, where does such ambient noise come from? Like, what are the sources of this? Um, I think like like noisy scientific equipment and getting any more detailed than that is unnecessary and will okay. drag the conversation off track. But like noisy yet necessary equipment that for I totally recognize a obscene amount of money could be made much less loud. To what end? Like, okay, so what are you? What's the obscene amount of money that you would spend to make it quieter? Because there are two things that immediately came to mind, but maybe neither of them are proper. I, I'm thinking of more like like engineering controls, such as like taking the noisy parts of the equipment and moving them outside. <laughs> okay, and then like connecting everything with 
pipes and cables and data lines and stuff. Yeah, I was going to say the two things that came to mind are the machines can go in a different room or you can go in a different room. Yeah, mostly mostly moving the machines into different rooms. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, would be nice. Is that, so uh, that's interesting. Is, is it the... Uh, what is bothersome about this ambient noise? Because I know that some people, I'm one of them, often likes working with some ambient noise. But I, but it like, is the issue that the ambient noise is not so much ambient as foreground at times, or what? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it, it's quite apparent if you're whenever you're trying to communicate, and then. Like, okay, like ambient noise is one of those things where your brain starts to like block it out. And so you're not consciously noticing it while it's happening, like throughout the day. And then the end of the day hits and someone shuts off all the equipment that's generating said noise. And you suddenly like, you feel like someone just like took the cinder blocks off of your shoulders. And like, you had no idea what like stress and energy that ambient noise had been putting on you and like how it had been wearing on you all day long until it's suddenly gone and you just feel this weight just dissolve away. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I guess, yeah, For in terms of like necessary communication, that could definitely be annoying. Like, do you think, like, do you have an issue with it in isolation in terms of just like you're just trying to do a thing? Um, like... If I'm trying to focus on something, it's kind of fr- well. Like if you're like trying to talk to someone, and you're like near one of the sources of noise, like if they're not right next to you, like good freaking luck. Or like if you have to go walk over by one of them while someone's talking to you, like you have to make the choice: do I stand here and waste some time so I can hear what the rest of what they're saying is, or do I like interrupt them rudely, go do my thing, and then come back? Yeah. The other thing is the acoustics of the room that I work in are super bizarre. There's like a, we have kind of like a room within a room. And if you're in like the most internal room, it's the noisiest part of the place where I work really. And you can't hear each other when you're in there very well. So you have to kind of like shout a little bit to be able to hear each other. Hmm. But from my bench which is all the way across the room from that little room inside of a room you can hear exactly what people are saying inside that room like way better than the person who's standing like 10 feet away can it's so bizarre that is bizarre the acoustics like funnel all the sound like directly towards me i guess (laughs) so now you just need to book that inner sanctum after hours for like a concert or something yeah you could but yeah it's it's interesting i don't know what what do you think you would change about your situation well so uh, there's all there's obviously has to be two answers because all i've been doing is working from home since march yeah so i can think of working from home or i can think of the office that i'll probably never go back to uh Uh So, uh, which would you like to hear about? <laughs> I was really intending to ask you, so Mark, how would you wish, wish you could redecorate your living space? Okay, okay. Uh, I will admit that having nothing but white walls all around me is a little dull. 
again i I have to give the caveat of like you know i've been in aaron's apartment now for a month so that hasn't been the case for a while now Uh uh-huh but thinking back to my actual real bedroom that i pay for (laughs) it is pretty dull that like there's nothing around but white walls it'd be nice to at least have like a poster or two up you know something Mm -hmm. like i i have little paint like i have a painting and a couple of pictures of aaron and i and that sort of stuff but they're all surface dwelling pieces Mm -hmm. because it never occurs to me to get command hooks i don't have like a a constant supply of command hooks like aaron does i've never bought them so it never occurs to me to use them yeah and Uh... at the same time it also feels like i don't have enough stuff to fill up my walls so like having a couple of these things on the walls seems like it would just be kind of sad <laughs> okay uh so so that's the first thing that comes to mind is just like my immediate environment just sprucing it up a little bit that'd be nice mm-hmm. having more light is nice you know as you know my bedroom has no ceiling light it has like it mm-hmm. has no built-in light so i rely on a lamp mm-hmm. and a few months ago i did get a desk lamp that clamped on so I could look more like a person during video calls and oh it also just God. provides more light and that mm-hmm. wasn't that was like a nice uh, a nice addition to just have a little extra light uh, be able to change the lighting situation in my bedroom like I could turn off the bigger lamp and just leave on this desk light for like mm-hmm. reading later in the evening or something like I could change it up to something that suited me well mm-hmm. uh, and that was and that was nice that that's more of a i don't know i feel like that's something that's going to be solved soon enough the biggest thing is that my desk is not quite as big as i would like i would very much like to have a bigger desk at a height that worked better for me mm. so there's two issues with my current desk uh the first issue is that it is too tall for what's comfortable for me height wise okay so I have to use a keyboard tray to have it at the have my keyboard and mouse at a proper ergonomic height for me, mm-hmm. and and that's pretty much fine. Like it's not a huge deal. I I don't really mind. But what I do mind is that the desk is just not quite wide enough at the legs to let the keyboard tray slide in all the way, and that is really annoying. I really wish the keyboard tray could go in all the way, but it's just a little mm-hmm. too wide. And any keyboard tray that is that I've looked far and wide, any other keyboard trays that are less wide are like really, really less wide to yeah. the point that it would be a problem. I would not be able to fit a keyboard and mouse on it, basically, mm-hmm. which would be annoying. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's probably the biggest thing is I'd like a desk that's like a little wider, a little lower. Because I like the idea of not needing to use a keyboard tray and being able to just use my desk as a desk. So Wow, sounds like such a luxury, Mark. Yeah, I don't know. Really what I want is I want one of those like um, setups that people post on the internet where there's not a single cable to be seen. And who knows how they manage to do that. Yeah. And it just all looks so clean and like there's so much room for all your crap to accumulate within a week. I love that. I achieved it once. One time when I first got my uh, monitor VESA mount that connected mm-hmm. so it is a clamped onto my desk and yeah. stick the monitor on so I could move it around and stuff. Then it left so much desk real estate there. And I and it had some built-in cable management. So at least above the desk, things look cable managed. 
and everything just looked nice and clean. Like I still have a picture of it and that's the ideal that I strive for. And once I move, if I can get back to that, that would be great. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Yeah. Uh, and actually the final thing, the final thing that I would like, my desk shakes a lot. Like oh, it's no, like not, not a, okay. When I say a lot, I don't mean in amplitude. I just mean in frequency with which it occurs. Like anytime yeah. I'm typing the desk on the keyboard tray or on the desk, it'll shake a little bit. And I don't like not enough that I notice again, not an amplitude, yeah, but it's but- enough that it shakes my podcast microphone, which is clamped to the desk. Ah, uh, so it's just like a little jiggle, but like it's enough to be annoying. Yes, it, it. I can see it showing up ever so slightly in my uh sound in my little uh you know monitor sound waves in Audacity. Mm-hmm. And it is infuriating every time I see it, and I just like I don't want it to happen. So I don't know if that means. Oops, speaking of that, I just <laughs> hit my microphone stand with my fist. <laughs> Uh, so I, so yeah, I don't know if the solution there are a few solutions one solution is getting another side table basically oh. for side table purposes but also to clamp my microphone onto mm-hmm. so that's not connected to the desk um, of course getting a desk with like more sturdy support would help like it's not that it's the desk's fault in that the uh, contact points of the desk are inside the the surface area of the desk on top Right, so it's not at the four corners of the desk like a standard desk is. Right, we have these four oh, posts coming yeah. down from the corners because it's like a folding up desk that my dad made. The points of contact are within, like, are shorter than the actual length and width of the desk. Okay, which makes it a bit more wobbly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, getting a different desk would help, or I think I mean I don't know because the microphones that we use are not like super standard connection size with everything. But I think you can probably get some sort of like a shock mount that in theory would absorb those vibrations so that it doesn't affect the actual mic. I feel like you definitely can. But I'm not sure. I don't really think I care enough or want to pay that money. So yeah. something I might look into at some point. But that'll be that's the most exciting thing about uh, moving in a few months will be... Uh, reevaluating my entire setup mm-hmm. if only for organizational purposes i don't think i'll have the uh cash on hand to just like upend it and i really don't want to like i like in general most of my working environment and i've put in time and money up until now to make it pretty good like even before i worked from home that's why transitioning to work from home was not bad because i had already taken the time to set up a set to make a setup that i enjoyed yeah uh, and that was really good mm-hmm. so yeah Trying to think if there's anything else that has bothered me day to day. Honestly, yeah, I I do have a pretty good work from home situation. Mm-hmm. Just need to keep it clean. Yeah, that's always the struggle. I feel like with desks is it's really easy to get them cluttered with crud. Yeah, I mean there is a reason that ever since sophomore year of college, I've always had a plastic, uh, like stack of drawers. Or like one of those just like a mm-hmm. organizational drawer things that you can get from Target for like 30 bucks. Yep. I always have one of those next to me. And those certainly are not very organized. There is a loose sense of structure with them. But those are probably the best things for keeping my desk clean. 
they do a good yeah. job. So, yeah, I got one of those too. My organizational structure is from the bottom up is organized, organized drawer where I put random crap, drawer where I put random crap that I think I probably don't ever need. That actually sounds really similar to what mine is yep. <laughs> in a loose sense because the bottom one's the biggest and it has the most amount of just garbage in it. <laughs> yeah. it's. I feel like in general organizational structures, it's really nice to have a a organized space for chaos. Like, because there's there you are always gonna like have something of like oh i don't know what to do with this i just need to like get it out of my face right now and i just need it to go away it's kind of the equivalent of like the downloads folder on my computer where like i receive something from somewhere else (laughs) it needs to go somewhere yeah the desk is like the most temporary of holding places but then it needs to go actually somewhere and most often that's one of these drawers and then, like, if it's not used right away, or, like, if it's used right away, then it goes somewhere proper. But if it's not, it's, like, I just need to, like, hold on to this. Sometimes it's just, like, a document, like, uh-huh. some government thing. And you're, like, I feel like I should hold on to this just so that I have some paper record until at least whatever it's related to is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just goes in one of those drawers. And then eventually yep. gets thrown away. Hopefully. That's the plan, at least. Yeah, every I'm good about every few months going through it, because I'm kind of, it kind of forces your hand when you can't really open up the drawer anymore. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. See, I think it forces our hands in different ways. I think it forces your hand to deal with it. <laughs> it forces my hand to smush everything into the drawer harder as I shove it tr- closed. I thought you were going to say to buy a new drawer or get a new table. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> you just have tables tack- stacked up to your ceiling. <laughs> Oh, I need more surfaces. <laughs> that that that's too real. That sounds scary. <sighs> Alrighty, shall I move on to something uh, different, perhaps unappetizing? Oh yeah, shoot! I forgot we gotta make it unappetizing. Okay, yeah, you read and I'll figure out how to make it unappetizing. So Grant has brought Leo by Mark Tatuli. And we have the titular Leo flying in the air with some sort of jetpack, wearing a vague amount of safety hardware, including helmet with his, uh, if you've seen this comic, Leo has quite the set of bangs that he spikes up in the during the day. Uh, those are poking through his helmet. And he is doing the whole na-na-na, putting his hands up to his ears, sticking his tongue out to a UFO being piloted by a couple of aliens. And on the back of this UFO is a bumper sticker that says, If you can read this, you're too close. Yep. And if you can read that, you're probably inhaling the exhaust smoke, which is unappetizing. I don't know. It's the best (laughs) segue I could think of to get into unappetizing things. How about you just Uh, go with whatever you intended? what, What I actually intended was to make some convoluted comment about how like yeah sometimes like when you're driving behind someone you don't want to be close because you don't want to be an a-hole like that uh but other times like you want to be real close like not necessarily like physically close to something but like close to a goal or like uh, it was some way to i don't know how i was going to do it segue into like precision and like being precise about things and making things precisely or like doing things that are precise really frustrates me 
because it's just annoying and like there's always more you could do I feel like and I wanted to know if you had any thoughts on precision and being precise Mark do you like being precise does it frustrate you does it come naturally to you um it depends there are certain things that I you know I think just like a lot of people I would say that there are few people who don't have something where being precise does like tickle their brain in the right way as long as it's not too much work mm-hmm. so uh, uh you know during this holiday season I've at times made some paper snowflakes I find it very pleasing when I make a very precise fold of paper. Ah. That is very pleasing. But is it a whole lot of work? I mean, like, kind of, I guess. But it's very, like, I just find it very nice. Like, it's just a thing that my brain wants to happen. So I think precision, for me, is most rewarded in my brain when it's to the service of, like, symmetry and order. Mm-hmm. So precision in, let's say I'm in, I'm back in Chem One Lab. I mean, yeah, I wanted to be precise with my measurements, but it doesn't like I don't get like enjoyment out of the act of precision. That's mostly in service of I want to get a good grade. Yeah, I'm not like inherently rewarded with that precision. Let me just ask if I'm understanding this right. So you like precision, especially in things that you can just like see at a macroscopic scale with like like you can see that that shelf is really flat or like really straight or something or am i misreading what you're saying um no it, it mostly is like uh, no well okay so give me an example of the opposite i guess just so i can see if what you're saying is correct it doesn't sound correct to me but i'm curious like what other types of worrying about precision you're thinking of like, oh, that that power... So you want the opposite, right? Yes. Like, oh, that power strip is connected, like, just a tiny... Like, you can see it's t- a tiny bit crooked. Or when it's, like, connected to your desk. Or, like, oh, that picture isn't perfectly straight. Or, like, oh, like, the spacing between that lamp and the computer don't like center each of those things in their respective portions of the desk like that seems like the same thing as worrying about whether you folded paper correctly all that falls into the same category for me yeah so I was saying the of opposite like, of like they're not good oh, oh I thought, you wanted no, a the different opposite, type opposite yes the opposite of the kind of precision we're talking about yes we we agree that precision in the order and symmetry and spacing of things is something that my brain enjoys. I'm not like particularly, you know, anal retentive about it. Oh, like, okay. But those are things that I do find pleasing because they're simple to fix and you can catch them pretty quickly if you're paying attention. Yeah. That's what makes me like a good proofreader of math at, at my company. Like I am, I'm not the best. There's one other person who's better than me, but that's because he has more patience. But on a first pass, I'm probably better than most people in catching little errors because I care very much about our writing style and about the consistency between two people writing math so that everything that comes out of our company reads the same. Yeah. Okay. So that that is another kind of precision that I care about. But a lot of that is like visual cues of like you have to keep in your head that 
commas come after these sorts of phrases and parentheses are used this way and apostrophes are used that way and all that sort of stuff. So uh, that all falls into my same into the same bin in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, the opposite was what are things that aren't that sort of like spatial visual way? Maybe you won't see this as any different, but to me it's very different of like, mm-hmm. oh, like the the leg of that the square leg of that desk doesn't have perfect 90 degree angles on it like it's not perfectly square it's just like ever so slightly a parallelogram and you would never notice it unless you like put a square next to it that does fall into a similar category but it's more just like it's also just a set of things that i'm not looking for you know i guess i guess the shortest answer is I care about precision in the things that I care about. That's obviously not a useful answer, but it's certainly an a- it's not a precise answer, but it sure is accurate. Well, I'm glad you said it. I didn't know a way to say that that sounded nearly as respectful as what you just said. Mm-hmm.